Well, let's turn back to Mark chapter 9 uh, in our Bibles, uh, page 1013, if you have picked up a Bible on your way into church uh, this evening. I want us to imagine, and it's not hard for those of us who are fathers to imagine the situation, and you mothers can also imagine it in your own context inside the house, but here you are as a father, and you're doing a job outside. Uh, perhaps you're um, uh, digging a hole, working with some <laughs> tool or implement, and your son asks, Dad, can I try can I have a go? And uh, we've all been there. And we know that our child is not capable of doing, but they keep asking. And so uh, we give them a go. And then a frustrated child asks their father or their mother, why can I not do it, Daddy? Why can I not do it? Well, our passage tonight, Mark chapter 9, has that kind of dynamic to it with a difference. The difference is these disciples do have the power to do what they're asked to do. We've already seen that in Mark's gospel uh, a couple of weeks ago in Mark uh, chapter uh, 3 uh, and Mark uh, chapter uh, five of how uh, Jesus had sent them out and before sending them out he had given them authority to do various things one of which was to cast out demons and overcome evil in whatever form and so here now the disciples having been faced with this situation while Jesus was on the mountain with the three other disciples uh, and Recognizing that they couldn't resolve it, they ask Jesus afterwards, why could we not do it? Why could we not cast out this evil spirit? Let me be clear this evening, I am not suggesting that any of you or any Christian today has the power to cast out evil spirits. That was for the apostles only uh, and for Christ, uh, that generation. But what the principles or the issues that related to uh, their inability to do what they should have been able to do, do apply to us today. In other words, the things we can learn that do apply to us in the things that we are called to do today. And so we think about reaching the lost. Um, and uh, we think about people that we've worked with. And perhaps we've prayed for them for years. And our question asks, Lord, why? Why have they not been saved? Is it something to do with me? What is the issue? So there is an application that there is from, and there's a teaching comes out of this passage, as of all of Scripture, that is for us today. So in the passage, Jesus takes over, he heals the boy, and afterwards the nine uh, ask, uh, verse 28, why could we not cast him out? 
And there's two answers that I want us to note to that question tonight. The first is a lack of faith. A lack of faith. And we're looking now and noting in particular verse 19. Because in verse 19, uh, we have these words, as Jesus becomes involved in the situation, and as the Father says, I spoke to your disciples, they, they should cast him out, but they could not. That's what the Father said. And Jesus uh, makes a comment in the light of that. Verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, or O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? Jesus put his finger on a lack of faith. That's one of the reasons why the apostles were not able to cast out this evil spirit. Now that raises another question for us. Who lacked faith? Is it the Father? Um, is it the apostles? Is it the scribes who are involved in this situation? Well, it's evident that the Father did have faith, though his faith was weak, because Jesus uh, challenged him about that. Uh, verse 22, uh, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, if you're able. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father responds, we're told, this favourite word of Mark, immediately. It'd be interesting to count up the number of times that Mark uses the word immediately. He uses it frequently. Um, immediately the father of child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So the father does show us faith. So let's leave the father and let's think about who lacked faith. The nine disciples? Probably. Probably. I think there's evidence here to suggest, and we'll come to that in a moment, um, as to why their faith was not what it should have been. Who lacked faith? The scribes. Certainly. Certainly. And that's where we want to begin in answering this question, who lacked faith? The scribes, without any shadow of doubt, lack faith. Their response to Jesus, as we read through Mark's gospel again and again, is unbelief. It's refusal to recognize Jesus in terms of his teaching and his works. And scripture tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And these scribes here, they show their unbelief. Because they were told, immediately were presented to the situation, verse 14, there's a great multitude around the disciples as uh, Jesus comes down with the three. And notice what it says in verse 14, and scribes disputing with them. The scribes were not told exactly what they were saying, 
but it means they're arguing with them. It's the same word as we have earlier in the Gospels about them finding fault with Jesus and criticizing him. So we might put it like this. They're getting some of the same treatment from the scribes, that's the the disciples, as Jesus got from them. Unbelief in the power of Jesus. And... Um, I believe and I, uh, that that in verse 19 part uh, and probably the, uh, a major part of what Jesus is saying is he's responding to the unbelief of the scribes. Oh, faithless generation. He doesn't say, oh, faithless disciples. And uh, that... Um, Christ at times had to confront his disciples when they didn't get things right, but he was never off hand with them. He was never unsympathetic to them. And so I, I believe that the focus here is on the scribes. And when you look at this phrase generation, it comes out at various points at this stage in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 8 verse 12, Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. And Mark 8 verse 12, why does this generation seek a sign? It's said about the Pharisees, they were seeking signs. The generation of the Pharisees. So, um, I think we, there's no doubt that we can say a lack of faith on the part of the scribes. Who are the scribes? They're the religious leaders of the Old Testament church. They're the elders, the teachers of the Old Testament church, responding to the Messiah of the Old Testament scriptures with unbelief. And so uh, that impacts um, this whole situation, as indeed, remember we saw when Jesus was in Nazareth, his ability to do miracles was impacted by the unbelief of the congregation. Uh, Remember, we thought about that a couple of weeks ago. And so here's the application that we want to make at this point. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, how will you know God's work in your life? Well, the way God works in our lives um, as we receive him, as we receive Christ, in faith. To know God's salvation requires faith on your part. It's not blind faith where you're taking a leap in the dark. It's not mindless faith where you just switch off your mind and you just bypass the mind and you say, I'm going to believe no matter what. The faith of Scripture, as we saw a couple of weeks ago as well, is completely rational. The Word of God speaks to our minds and then to penetrates down into the heart. So to have faith tonight is not to take a leap in the dark. It's not to switch off your mind. It's to face the Scriptures fairly and squarely, what they teach you about Christ in his person and his work. And it is then the response you are to make to him. It's the response of trust. It's the response of receiving him and resting in him alone for salvation. And without that, 
you are like the scribes. And without that, you will not be saved. Without that, you will not go to heaven when you die. Indeed, you will go to hell without faith. Where you will experience the solemn, awful wrath of God forever and ever. Why? Because you have not believed. You've heard the evidence. You've heard the scriptures. And you've closed your eyes and ears to them. What an awful situation for anyone to be in. Do not be like the scribes and have a lack of faith. But then let's think about it with regard to the nine. Because I think there is um, a subordinate, if you want to put it like that, or a secondary um, application of this to the nine. They are men who have up to this point albeit with weaknesses and imperfections, but they are men of faith with the exception of Judas, who's in their number. Judas has never, he's uh, pretended, he is given the impression he's a man of faith, but he was not ultimately a man of faith. So accepting that and recognizing that, we refer to them as a group as those who have responded in faith. They've left all to follow him. Immediately before this, Mark chapter 8, you have Peter's confession. Who do men say that I am? And Peter said without a shadow of doubt, without a moment of hesitation, on behalf of the group, you are the Christ. And we have already noticed in an earlier study how in the name of Christ they have done this kind of thing. If you go back to Mark chapter 6 verse 30, uh, you'll read there. After they, came, after they had been sent out by Jesus on one of their um, circuits of missionary activity, preaching and healing and casting out demons, the apostles, Mark 6 verse 30, gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Another gospel speaks in a place about them uh, telling Jesus about the demons, submitting to them. So, why could they not do it now? And I want to suggest to you, it's a lack of faith. And why or how do they have a lack of faith now? Well, put yourself in their situation. Here are the scribes, the, op- the opponents of Christ, the enemies of Christ, and The unbelief of the scribes, the critical spirit of the scribes, the opposition of the scribes impacts the disciples. (coughs) It makes them less confident, less assured, um, less um, able. And that shouldn't surprise us because Have you not been in that situation? Have I not been in that situation? Have we not been in that situation? When do you find us hardest to speak about Christ? Or to achieve something for him? 
It's when you know that you're surrounded by people who are hostile and who are there to pick holes and to find fault with what you're saying. And so they're among those who are openly and aggressively hostile to their faith, just as you and I have been uh, with people hostile to our faith. And they and we are much less ready to share the gospel uh, with greater apprehension. Our confidence is dented. And so I think that impacts the disciples at this point. And you and I, um, we need to learn from that. And we need to learn to respond like the Father. Let's look at verse 24. The Father, when he's challenged, what does he say about his faith? He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that, I believe, is the reality of how you and I have to live out our Christian lives. If somebody tells you that they never have any doubts, any moments of fear or unbelief, then they are either being less than truthful or they are of a very unique and small number of Christians. Is that not often our situation day by day? Lord, I believe in you, but here's this situation and I'm in the midst of it. And boy, does it test my faith. And what are we to say? Lord, help me in my unbelief. Help me overcome it. And in those situations where we're in the face of hostility as well, we've got to pray, Lord, I believe you're with me. Help me in my unbelief. When I would be tempted to say nothing, when I'd be tempted to, to just tone things down, or when I would be uh, could be limited in my um, influence and my ability. Help me to believe that you are with me. So I think there is a lack of faith. I believe there is a lack of faith to some degree on the part of the apostles. And you and I who are Christians here tonight, we can learn from that. And we should... Um, be much more um, conscious in our minds of the statement of the Father, I believe, help my unbelief. Help me overcome unbelief. Where I'm tempted to doubt you, to doubt your power because of this or that or the other thing that's happening in my situation at this time. The second thing that we want to notice this evening is then a lack of prayer. We've thought about a lack of faith. We want to think now about a lack of prayer. Because when they come into uh, the home, um, and this is the house probably uh, that they are staying in, um, um, well, we can't be absolutely sure about that. Maybe uh, back in Capernaum, it may not. But when they come into the house, in any case, verse uh, 28, 
um, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And so he said to them, verse 29, uh, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. And some of the manuscripts have and fasting. Um, there's no doubt that prayer is the focus here. Uh, and that's what I'm going to focus on this evening. A lack of prayer. Again, let's think about what we learn from the passage about this particular case. This is a case uh, of a very severe um, possession by an evil spirit. We see that in verse 20. Then they brought him to him, that's the boy, to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, uh, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood, and verse 22, And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Think about that. Think about that. How deeply embedded this evil spirit is. How strong his grip is on the life of this boy. Um, and also add to that that this has been a long-term protracted situation. Since he was a boy. So this evil spirit is particularly, uh, has got a particularly dominant and strong grip in the boy's life. And for a long period of time. Okay. And I want you now to hold that in your mind. And I want you to think about what you've been hearing in the news about ISIS in Syria and the city of Aleppo and those places. And if you've been listening, if you listen, if we listen to the reporters carefully, they'll say these are going to be the most difficult cities like Aleppo and that to liberate. Why? Because ISIS are embedded there in great number with great strength and for a long period of time. And so, what's needed of them? At a military level in Syria, they need to put extra resources in. More strength, more resource, more time, more ability is going to be needed. And so the more firmly, I believe this is the truth, the principles coming out of this, the more firmly the enemy is embedded, the greater the resources that are needed to deliver from that enemy. And realize also as we, in passing here, notice a throwaway comment um, uh, in verse um, 22. And remember this about the devil. He often has thrown them both into the fire of the water to destroy him. 
The Bible tells us that he's a liar from the beginning. Let's make no mistake, the devil is also a destroyer. A destroyer from the beginning. And let's be under no illusions about his activity. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, um, about his purpose in your life. He wants to destroy your life. Non-Christian, he wants to take you to the judgment of hell with him. That's what he wants to do. And we shouldn't play with evil or the evil one. Don't align yourself with evil or the evil one. Because he is a ruthless Sinister, subtle enemy. And he comes alongside us and he presents himself as a friend and the reality is he's a foe. He's like one of those um, ISIS bombers and they come and they present themselves as a normal human being and here they are loaded with explosives ready to destroy. That's what the devil is like. Make no mistake about it. And make sure, let's make sure that those that we talk to about spiritual things, that they are under no illusion either about the devil. He is a destroyer. So, he's a destroyer. He's got a grip on this man's life that is very much embedded. It's um, very tight, it's very strong. And it's for a long period of time. And so what does Jesus say? Verse 29. This kind. Evil. Where it is embedded. In a very strong, protracted way. And where the devil has had sway and influence for a long period of time. In other words, he's had it his way in someone's life for a long time. This kind come out by nothing but prayer. And he's saying to the disciples, not, it's not all going to be the same. In terms of seeing people saved and liberated and brought into the kingdom. There's some people, and humanly speaking, it's easy. It's easy. From our point of view. And you drop a few seeds. And you begin to see that they begin to take root and they begin to grow. But then there's other situations and you work with people and you pray for people and you witness to people and maybe we work and witness more than we pray and we seem not to make any progress and we need to learn that we're evil and there's a background and there's maybe there's a lack of um, maybe Christian background and Christian knowledge and Christian influence that kind, this kind, can come out by nothing but prayer. We're brought back again to the vital importance. And the more difficult the situation, 
the more protracted the situation, the more we need to pray. Because we need God to um, to enable us and to empower us to to be able to speak the right word, to say the right thing, to to point in the right direction. So, believe there was a lack. Why could we not do it? A lack of faith, to some degree, in the part of the apostles because of the context of opposition and a lack of prayer. Um, And that's brought out in the context of this is a very protracted and a very deep-seated, ingrained um, manifestation of evil in the life of this boy. And Jesus... In a moment, because he is God and he has all authority, he can resolve it. But we can only do it. We, the apostles, could only do it by faith and by prayer. And we need to realize that as we seek to minister to people today, And increasingly in a situation in Northern Ireland where there's no gospel background and there's no gentle dripping in of truth into people's lives and there's less and less people being prayed for by Christians because there are less Christians to pray for families and friends and one thing or another, we need to realise that we need greater faith and we need more prayer And it's the Lord who gives faith. And it's the Lord to whom we're to pray. And he works. Why can I not do it, Daddy? A son says to his father. And why are we not seeing more happening in terms of the gospel? Daddy, Abba, Father. And he challenges us about our faith. And he challenges us about our prayer lives. And it is by faith. And it is by prayer that God works today to save. And we need to give ourselves in faith in the Lord and in prayer to the Lord. Amen. Let's spar heads and let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you again this evening that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we thank you that those passages of Scripture which identify gifts which and abilities which were only for a certain age of the church, that even those passages are in your word. You've put them there, not that we might try to be like the apostles and claim these powers, 
but that we might learn from um, the things that Jesus taught them as they engaged in their ministry for him. So that as we engage in our ministry and witness for him, that we will be equipped for that and we will learn from their weaknesses and from their imperfections. Lord, forgive us our lack of faith. Our lack of faith in our own lives and circumstances, times when things can be challenging and difficult. And we say, I can't see any way through. The reality is, Lord, you always have a way through. Because you will not allow your people to be tempted beyond what they're able to bear, but will always provide a way through. Lord, forgive us also when we have um, sought to go about witness and ministry without prayer. And because we have the Holy Spirit today uh, in his fullness, we think that we have all that we need. We've got the Spirit and we've got the Scriptures. But without prayer, we are powerless to use the Scriptures and uh, to have the Spirit Uh, And see the Spirit work. It's not by might, not by power. But by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so we pray that you would teach us how to pray. To pray more. Help us, Lord, to realize that we are living in a day when evil is embedded increasingly in our society. In people's lives. And it's becoming embedded for not the first generation, but now in some cases the second, third, even fourth generation. And so this kind will come out only by prayer. Help us, Lord, to give ourselves in faith to the ministry of prayer for the salvation of others, for the deliverance of men and women from evil and the evil one. For you are able to do it. For yours is the power and the glory forever and ever.